Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. What's up, everybody? This is John. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Hey, John. Hello. G'day. G'day, Mike. <laughs> oh, I hope that's not offensive. I hate it. I'm sure they're like fucking Americans. Annoying. Assholes. Yanks. Tell you what's not dinky die is our Australian accent. <laughs> Very much not. <laughs> but what I think is dinky die is this movie. Uh, 150,000% dinky die is. Fucking Mad Max 2. The, the Road Warrior. The Road Warrior. Um, is this movie amazing? Yeah. Yeah, it's it fucking is. badass. It's, it's, I think it might be. We talked about uh, Escape from New York on the podcast mm-hmm. before. We've talked about Dolomite, but this is pushing like the envelope for the earliest film. You know, the beginning of the era of of action. I mean, it, it predates Arnold really right. coming on the scene as yeah. an action star. Absolutely. Um, but it has that feel of just like fucking adrenaline fueled, like testosterone. Absolutely. What's your uh, What's your history viewing? This, this was another, I think it was movies for guys who like movies. Cause I, I so remember the, you know, Mel Gibson sort of very cool looking and like laid back saying, you want to get out of here? You talk to me like, and then uh-huh. being like Mad Max, uh, you know, the road warrior tomorrow night, seven Oh five. seven Oh five. Yeah. If people who aren't familiar with TBS back in the day, <laughs> I don't know if it's only cause of the Braves or if it was, ad- <laughs> but the, Programs would always start at seven oh five, seven thirty five. Yes, stupid Se- times. Yeah, seven forty. <laughs> like I don't know why, but it was it was iconic, and yeah, that makes sense to me. I think this movie was a TBS staple. I just grew up watching it. It was just on a lot. Yeah, yeah and yeah. any time it was on, you had to watch it because there's nothing else like this. It was this and Big Trouble and Bloodsport. It's like in that family. It's one of those that if it was on and Beastmaster. (laughs) Yes. If it was on, I was going to watch it to the very end. Fuck yeah. So good. So that's why a lot of this, when you go back and watch it as an adult and you see the, you know, the uncut and R rated version, it's like, oh shit. I don't, I I don't remember that part. And how it feels like it hasn't aged at all. Yeah. It's, it is timeless. There's nothing about it that feels like, oh, that's kind of hokey or, oh, boy, yeah, this, like, I mean, production value, yeah, it's a little, like, it was done on the cheap, yeah whatever, but the stunts, the story, it's a, it's a the master- way people talk, everything, yeah. the costumes are just still awesome. It is, it is lean storytelling, and it works from the opening shot, that opening four by three, yeah. to to the very, very end, which is like the exact same shot. It is a movie yeah, that's been like, I don't know how long the first cut might have been, but this feels like a movie that's been like cut down to like the leanest possible version of itself. Yeah. yeah. Like there's nothing wasted. But to great effect. It was oh, like, yeah, it's like it's nothing awesome. feels, nothing feels like, you know, nothing's missing, nothing's half baked. 
It's, Movies it's, should be like this. Yeah. I watched um, just the other day Hidalgo. Did yeah. you ever watch that? The old Viggo yeah. Mortensen flick? Yeah. It's fucking great. I love that movie. I loved it, but I also found myself thinking, wow, this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long and it just could be shorter. Yep. Like you could cut some of the subplots down somewhat, whatever. Yeah, this movie is one that's like, there's nothing left to cut. It's the, amazing. The whole weird subplot with like the American that he ends up like using her horse or whatever at the end. Yeah. It's like, it's like why this part we've added too many minutes have gone into Shit's this conversation. Happening. It doesn't need to be happening. It's right. like sort of, he does like a rain dance, like sort of speaking oh, with his, yeah. like his, his and his native American ancestors towards the end. That's and it's right. like, now I feel like this is almost borderline offensive for one. Probably. And for two, it's just, it's like, it goes for- on and I'd on. I've forgotten that he was, Part. part i think he's a quarter native american right. or something it's a good mm. movie check out Hidalgo. yeah that movie it's good and vigo, vigo i don't i don't i don't know maybe he wasn't beautiful enough but he's like such a leading man uh, and charismatic he's, he's phenomenal what a talent and every everything he's been in even yeah. if the movie's shit he's awesome dude eastern promises that oh <laughs> you got the chills i did <laughs> Because I remember that opening scene and just I was in the theater and it was like in Knoxville, Tennessee. It was me and like five other people in the in this great big regal <laughs> cinema and that opening scene in the barber shop and I went, yeah. holy shit, like out loud and like looked around <laughs> and all of us were like dying laughing because it was not at all what we yeah, were expecting. I love that It's flick. so good. Anyway, Mad Max. <laughs> what was your, so your earliest experience I also? I think it had to be the same watching it on just tbs whenever it would pop on yeah. or maybe we recorded it onto a vhs and wa- watching it but never watching like the r-rated widescreen no. epic version no. of the movie you know um and jesus but i remember it made such an impression on me because it was unlike anything else that was out there i'll tell you what i wasn't doing when i watched it when i was a kid and that was drinking beer which is what i am oh, doing now what do you got there i'm drinking the chihuahua cerveza by the Chihuahua Brewing Company in Lakeland, Florida. It is a the original Mexican-American lager TM, and <laughs> it is delicious. I had another Mexican-style lager. This is a Mexican-American lager. This beer is better, in my opinion. I like that one. I'm going to have one next. Right now, I'm drinking uh, Sweetwater's Hazy IPA. Sort of a newish release from them. It's super duper fucking good. I'm going to make some noise, and I'm going to pull this thing back from my mouth and take a sip. <laughs> Nice. That now, sounded refreshing as yeah, hell. It is. You know, you could crush those all day, but that's deceptively strong. Six point five percent for a lager is a lot. You can't just sit poolside and drink them, drink a six pack without getting hammered. No. You yeah, you'd be feeling this after. It's a not couple. like the you know. I like a good uh, tecate or dos Equis yes. that you can just crush them all day. Absolutely. Anyway, because they're like what five? <laughs> uh, I think they're like four and a half, okay. four point three or something. Beer water, Mexican beer water. Hmm. So what happened What happened in the chapter one? Catch us up, John. So what happened in chapter one is we got some badass narration that the world has gone to shit, you guys. And I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking <laughs> about sometime in the distant future, or maybe the not-so-distant future. World War III happened. All the oil dried up, so the war machine slowed down. It came to a crashing halt. The world devolved. And as the world devolved and crumbled around and politicians couldn't decide what to do, the crazies came out of the woodwork and uh-huh. took over the roads. <laughs> Basically, it became survival of the fittest on the, uh, the world's roadways. And only the strong survive. The people that were willing to eat other people. Dude, we had a gas shortage within the last month here. Yeah. And... 
people were acting a fucking fool at the at the gas station. Putting like gas in garbage bags. Dude, I saw some dude was like filling up milk like milk cartons and Presto and like old antifreeze bottles with gas and sticking them in his trunk. And I'm like, I mean, it's not going to be that long, but it, I don't think it takes much of a disruption to get people acting like this. Well, you know, and let that be a think lesson to the powers shortage. that be. It's like we're going to be fucked if like the hackers really decide to go after us at some point. Oh, Jesus. So I'm glad I moved out of Houston, the energy <laughs> capital of the of America. But anyway, um, so we are also then introduced to Mad Max. The narrator says, I only remember Max from my dreams. I was a young man when this happened and he, you know, he helped us out when when I was a kid. Um, that Max was a broken shell of a man because he lost everything. He lost his wife and child um, in the original Mad Max movie. And so he's been out living in the wasteland for five years, we think, at this point, um, and just just making it with his buddy dog. He, <laughs> he, he, uh, we're introduced to Wes, who is uh, um, one of the Lord Humongous's marauders. He was trying to chase Max down and steal his gas, he wanted that um, car as well, probably, probably the probably legendary, the V8, the last of the V8s. The last of the V8s. Um, and then Max uh, escapes that trouble and meets the gyrocopter captain who he takes hostage because the gyrocopter captain leads him to a refinery that's out in the desert where he alleges that there are thousands of ga- uh, gallons of gasoline. Much as you want. Much as you want. So, But when Max shows up, Wes... The Lord Humongous and the Marauders are staked out. They've been trying to get in for four days, and Max has been like looking for his opening. Right. So the last, the first chapter stops when Max is awakened in the middle of the night by the sound of sirens as the Marauders are leaving the refinery. That's spot on, and that's what spot happened. On. And I, I, I hold to that. I'm not going <laughs> to take any of that back. So the story picks up the next day. Uh, Max, Dog, and the Gyro Captain are sleeping. Um, the, there's a little bit of a commotion, the armored bus that's sort of been blocking the gate of the refinery compound opens Mm -hmm. and three vehicles leave. They're going in three different directions. Uh, the noise, it wakes up dog, it wakes up max, uh, the marauders who are camped out nearby, they start to scatter and like try to chase down the various vehicles. Um, as all this is happening, a secret fourth vehicle pops out and it goes in yet another direction. It seems to be unnoticed at first. Uh, Max moves to get a better look at what's going on and he sees the Mohawkers led by Wes. They start to chase down that vehicle. They crash it. It's a spectacular crash. It's like viewed through binocular vision, you know? It's so cool. It's like awesome stunts in this movie that are just like treated as, as, oh yeah, it was just something that you, he viewed through the binoculars. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of that in this movie. A lot of of interesting point of view shots. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. This is an epic crash with like rolling rollover and all that. Um, the refiners who are in that car, they're trying to get away a little bit on foot. This is maybe the moment that we get to our view of Wes's ass cheeks. Wes from the from the waist down <laughs> and the rear. It's sort of risque. Yeah. It's like I don't know. It's very, the whole landscape is very desert. Like it looks hot as hell, but I think they filmed it in the winter time. Uh, and they, I don't think they could have filmed this in the summer. By Australia all accounts, it was just brutally cold. Yeah. And like these dudes who were clad in next to nothing were like freezing their asses off. Literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a sort of funny sight gag as yeah. Max is looking through his binoculars. Gyro captain comes up and produces this like comically large telescope from inside of his jacket. It's, it's like probably four feet long. Yeah. And Max snatches it from him. 
It looks and, like like when he looks through it, it's like a gun scope through that thing. Yeah, it had like a crosshairs yeah. on it. Is also this amazing moment that like when Max snatches it from him and starts using it, Dog is just jumping at it, trying to like it's a game, <laughs> like trying to grab at the telescope, whatever. That's so great. Um, so Wes, he shoots the male yeah. with his little wrist mounted crossbow. Rad like shoots weapon. him like in his shoulders. Yeah, he like pins him to up against the car or something. Um, the golden youth is there. He's like, he's wearing, he's got, he's like literally, ch- he's got chains on and he's leashed yeah. to, I don't know, he's got he, a padlock on he's his not, neck. He is not Wes's adopted son, is all I'm saying. If, yeah, it, if, if it's weird if he's meant to be his son, he doesn't need to keep him shackled. It's right? very subtle. Before he even shoots the guy, there's some definite eye contact between Wes and Golden Youth. Okay, and it, it to me it looks like he's like asking Golden Youth, "Do you want me to shoot this guy?" And that like you get this slight nod from oh, Golden shit. Youth, like, "Yeah, I, I got to rewatch." Yeah, it's very <laughs> subtle. But like, there's definite like nonverbal communication between Wes and Golden Youth okay. before he shoots the guy. They, yeah, I don't know what their deal is exactly. I like that it's left ambiguous. Yeah, it seems definitely like a, it, if nothing else, is a sort of a dominant and submissive yeah. relationship that they have going on here. Absolutely. Um, things are going even worse for the female, yeah, woman who is with them. Like, and this I remembered from this like. On TBS, they just show the reaction shot from the captain. Oh, like, like the, as he's looking through the binoculars, his eyes go wide, and he you kind of see that he's just like oh, he can't believe what he's seeing. Mm-hmm. And then, the, yeah, obviously they never showed. So it basically, one of the one of the Mohawkers is like seeing to her. Yeah, I guess I don't know. The rest sort of mount up and ride off. Yeah, they're like um, ripping off her clothes and stuff. It's not good. It was weird. It seemed like when they got on the bikes and rode off, they were riding away from the refinery. Right. Like further away. It made me just wonder where they're going. I wondered if they were going to go chase one of the other cars maybe. that were being chased. Yeah, maybe. That's almost the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess Max is looking around. He sort of sees his opening. Yeah, he decides like, that this is the This moment. is my chance to make my approach. All the, all the marauders have wandered off. So he uh, runs to his car. He rides down. He... It seems like he was going to help the woman. Right. But he's... he's uh. As Gyro Captain is watching through telescope, it's sort of too late because the biker who had just been having his way with the yeah. woman then kills her. Yeah, like she's that's the, the moment, right? Where his, yeah. like, his eyes go wide. Like, yeah, well, like, even before, like when he was first looking through the binoculars, it was when they were like undressing her, like ripping uh-huh. her clothes off, and he was like terrified of what he was seeing. But then yeah. this moment, he's like, again, like you kind of see that the captain's got a conscience, like he knows that. What it's these good, guys yeah. are doing or is not good. It was good work from Bruce Spence. Like he yeah. was expressing a lot without words. Yeah. Um, it's also like it's hard to believe that there's wouldn't be more value placed on female life in this world. Totally. Yeah. Like if nothing else, you feel like they would. It's a woman. We got to take her and enslave her. Because uh, like, well, yeah. And like in Fury Road. Yeah, totally. I mean. It's it's grim and disgusting, but like uh, also makes sense. Uh, it reminds me. Did you ever speaking of? Did you read the road? The Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Of, oh, fucking hell. That baby scene. Yikes. Yeah. Woof. We um, don't have to talk anymore about it, but yeah. So <laughs> go Dor- read that book, you guys. <laughs> That's a fucking great book. Oh, it's Cormac awesome. McCarthy. No one writes quite like him. Nope. So George Miller had said that the style of violence that he used in this was inspired by um, Clockwork Orange. Which I can see violence. it when I I can see it when I watch it. It's like the sort of reveling and enjoying and like leisurely violence, you yeah, know? Absolutely. But like overly sadistic. Yeah. 
it's also just awesome to me how one generation influences the next. Yeah, of like, totally. I saw Star Wars and I saw Clockwork Orange and I love those movies and I want to bring a little bit of that vibe to my shit. I love and that. And then this movie like brings, you know, inspires future generations, whatever. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So Max, he arrives down on the scene. He finds uh, the Mohawker getting dressed. The Mohawker sort of goes quickly for his crossbow, but Max stops him and I assume beats him to death. Like he hit him real he, hard with the bolt cutters. He crushes that skull, I'm sure. Yeah, that, I fracture. feel like that's a fatal blow that he landed there. Yeah. Agreed. Max is like the reluctant hero, right? Yeah. Well, that's why, like, when we were talking about, is he going down to save this woman or was he going down because he knew by the time that he got there, they'd be dead? He's opportunistic him, as well, get, right? He could scavenge. Yeah. I feel like he has a moral compass, it seems clearly, but he's also that loner. He's got like a lot of Han Solo in him. Yeah. I feel like he'll do the right thing in the moment, but man, he. Like, he'd rather not be in he's that situation at all. To do yeah, it. He's like, oh, He's like, fine. I wish I wasn't here. God. Um, so, Max, then he goes to the male refiner who's been, yeah, shot, as you said. Yeah. And he's, like, pinned by arrows up against the fender or something of his car. Mm-hmm. He basically, uh, that dude's still alive. Yeah. Who had to watch all of this happen, presumably. Um, Max tells him he wants some gas. The guy says, you know, take me back to the refinery. You can have all the gas you and want. That's what I'm saying. He's like... I'm going to help you, but he, I need He's fuel. got his own agenda. Yeah. Right? So Max uses those bolt cutters. He cuts him free from the car, I guess, that he was pinned mm-hmm. up against. Max drives back to the refinery with the guy. We got our first glimpse of the feral kid. Oh, like popping up in the foreground. He's like a fucking like, uh, a gopher or something. He's like dirty, shaggy looking thing holding what looks like a stainless steel boomerang or some shit. Like, what an amazing creation of a character. Yes. And because, I mean... The I still refer to people sometimes. I'm like, and I'll I'll just be like offhanded. The guy looked like Feral Kid. Like <laughs> Feral you know, Kid. He's credited as Feral Kid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome, amazing. George Miller said that the the idea was sort of inspired by these. It's sad. These parentless children who were in Vietnam after the war, oh, shit. like roaming around the cities, Hanoi and and Ho Chi Minh City or whatever else, mm. and like they were just sort of packs of kids wandering. Streets. Yeah, like that's terrible. Terrible. Um, so Max, he pulls up to the gate. Feral kid is like, seems fascinated by this new person who's arrived. He's like wandering alongside. I'm just yeah. sort of watching him. And this is like, in addition to the boomerang, which he's got like this giant, like big ass glove on his left yes. hand. Just like huge. Got maybe the most epic mullet we've ever seen <laughs> on Feral kid. It's huge. You'll see when we watch master of the universe, but there's a character in masters of the <laughs> universe that has the same haircut. Oh fuck. I can't wait now. Um, yeah, I feel like Feral kid is basically a dog. Yeah. Like he's a he's a wild creature. I and the I, I bring this note up later um in the movie in the confrontation at the very end between like the last crash like right before the last crash. I wondered if Feral Kid given his get up and the way he looks and stuff had been a marauder that the refiner crew adopted. He'd been like kicked to the curb or like abandoned mm. or something like that. Yeah. And just there was something, there's something about him that would make sense to me if he'd been like, that was his tribe. But he had he, been with our marauders yeah, before. But, but it he could got, be. But he gotten abandoned for whatever reason or his mother, or, you know, his mother escaped oh. and had the baby, you know, yeah, something like that. He definitely, I feel like was abandoned at some point. He sort of halfway adopted, but he won't fully embrace the refinery yeah. crew. Yeah. Um, he's dressed like all in fur, mm-hmm. right? 
he had this sort of streak in his hair too that that Max has. Yeah, it's it's like is it from st- stress, stress or shock, PTSD? He probably watched shit. a family member die or something when he was younger. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. So Max, he's carrying the injured man over his shoulder. He's uh he's sort of holding his weapons belt mm-hmm. off to the side yeah. to sort of show he's not a threat or whatever. Um, the leader tells Max to freeze, turn around, you know, spin around, show us whatever everything they recognize that injured man they tell max to drop his shit yeah he does uh the armored bus moves out of the way the refiners come rushing out to tend to the guy yeah the the a woman's like calling him nathan like screaming his name nathan nathan do you think it's the son or some some relation i think that like is it's the older woman yeah i know the one you mean words words i think it's probably yeah like her son or a brother or something like that Anyway, they all come out. They pat Max down as well. Mm-hmm. Um, bring him inside along with Nathan. There's a lot of bows and arrows and crossbows and things the in here too. Them. Yeah. And I will also note here, awesome job from the costume mistress as well. Costume master, I guess. we we, we like She's the costume master. Um, that the refiner folks have got a uniform. Everyone's in like lighter colors. Yeah. And there is some color, like pops of green and pink and stuff but everyone's wearing like light colored jumpsuits and makeshift white football pad armor yeah. and stuff like you that you have to wonder whether there are that many pads around they raided high school gyms around australia so. but also but like american football pads in I, yeah, I don't know what they were wearing those for back in back in that era especially but mm. it's a look it's an aesthetic yeah, it's fine it's cool there's all sorts of odd customers in there there a lot of them are giving max the cold looks yeah um also, Max is like sizing up. I feel like the community. Totally, yeah. He's looking around. He sees the the wells and stuff like that. The great thing about the whole Mad Max universe, from one movie, from the original all the way to Fury Road, is like there's just so much visually interesting things happening. Yeah. So much detail. It reminds me of the the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies, yeah. like that. No one will notice that the knife that this guy's carrying has like engraving and elvish written on the right. blade but it just does add something in some Absolutely. way like these things that are in the background that are you can never quite tell what's going on but someone's put thought into it i fucking love that yep, shit agreed so their leader comes out it's this guy named papagallo which is uh, i think is italian for parrot oh is that right yeah shit papagallo That's- so he's like a what a middle aged blonde dude kind of sort of looks he sort of looks jaggerish. Yes, he, he sort of had a rugged, craggly face, yeah. like weathered. Yeah, he he does look weathered. Um, so Max basically says he found this guy a couple miles down the road, left for dead. Mm-hmm. Papagallo asks him, "What about the other vehicles? Did you see what happened to them?" And Max says. They were, you know, heading the other way, being chased. He, they're in heaps of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going the other way. I like that Max trouble. is like talking, like he's keeping it brisk. He's keeping the, he's like, I just, I, this guy told me I can get some gas. I need to go. Like, yeah. Basically. I think he's probably in a hurry. I, I got to get out of here before the Marauders come back. Right. Um, now, Max says he had made a deal with the guy that he could have all the gas he wants as long as he brought him back. This guy who I don't know if his character had a name. I just refer to him as the haunted looking man. He is, yeah, that's a great description. <laughs> the haunted he likes looking PTSD. man. PTSD. Yeah. Like if PTSD was a picture. He looks like he hasn't slept in weeks. Yes, that's yeah. a great shout. Um, he he steps forward. He asks, what about the woman who was in the car? Max says he's she's dead, but it was quick. It was quick. Which is she didn't definitely make it. It not was quick. the truth. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So, you know, Max is like trying to be the 
the good guy, I guess. He says he just wants to get his gas so I can get out of here. Uh, this badass woman steps out who's credited as Warrior Woman. She's a, she's attractive. Dude, she is a stunning looking woman. She Yeah, crimped hair and all. <laughs> crimped hair. Had a big scar on her face as yeah. well. Yeah. Nuts. Basically, she steps out. She says Max might be one of them and we shouldn't give him anything. Um, her role was written in the script as a man. And it was another George Miller like a change that he suggested. That's, we should make it a woman. That's dope. I think in his world, I feel like it's not so much about being male or being female, but being like a dominant person yeah, or, a, you, or a submissive person, you a follower or a leader. Yeah, can you step into the role and, and lead? So, yeah, uh, she says that he's trading in flesh, mercenary trash. It's harsh. Harsh words. You just met him. You don't know him. I mean, they have a point, but it is, it is harsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Max tells him, like, look, talk to the guy. He'll explain. It seems like in the meantime, that guy has passed away. Yeah, Nathan did not make it, you guys. <laughs> so I think it's Papa Gallo tells him, you know, if he had a contract, it was with him and it died with him. Right. Um, Papa Gallo tells him to get rid of Max. They start to carry him out of there. Uh, does it seem to you it's like these refiner folk, are? they've got a bloodlust on them just as much as the Marauders do. They seem like they're kind of excited to kill Max. Uh, on one hand, I feel like it's, you know, like another mouth to feed. We just can't take it on. But yeah. also, yeah, I, I agree with you. They don't seem like... I have more thoughts about what happens later in the film as well. Yeah, yeah. About what's going on within the compound. But it's. I feel like everyone's looking out for number one in this world. Agreed. Yeah. So... Yeah, they're like, they roll his car in as they're dragging him out. Like, what were they planning? Were they going to steal his car and put him out on foot? Or kill him. <laughs> yeah. So, or yeah, maybe yeah, sacrifice him to the Marauders somehow, but they were definitely going to keep the car. I love the mechanic. He's Don't badass. Like, I, and the, the, the rig that they've got him pushing around on, it's not a wheelchair. It's he's like, like a, a paraplegic. Yeah. He's sort of on a harness. It's, it's this giant mobile device it's like it like they took an old tractor or an and old cherry picker and they, yeah it's it's like yeah it's really really cool he's got like his his right hand man his assistant yeah gotta hand it to you treasure <laughs> i love that last, last of the, the v8 the interceptors last of the v8 interceptors a piece of history yeah it's, he I love, he called max treasure yeah. <laughs> that's amazing to me um the mechanic he's found max's booby trap and disarmed it already uh that that harness rig we talked about it. it's amazing. Yeah. The production design on the movie is amazing because everything is constructed out of shit that would be found. Yeah. Well, you know? and then also it's like that guy probably designed the thing himself ostensibly, the character, yeah. and was like, I don't, you know, wheelchair is not going to work. I need to be able to be up high. I need to be able to be up low. Yeah. I need to get under stuff. I need to be above stuff. And it has to look like it's, yeah, someone engineered that shit. Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, I love also as as the mechanic is sort of being threatening towards Max, dog runs in and just latches on to the mechanic's feet. He doesn't seem to feel it. Right. His that's, dead legs. That's dog assist number four. Yeah. Um good boy. Good boy. <laughs> others are grabbing at the dog and Max like leaps into the fray. Max is trying to protect. That's the first time we've his friend. I feel like we've seen him show emotion. And and take quick action and not just sort of like I'm I'm above and I'm too cool. He's for like, all you this. do what you want, but you're not gonna touch dog. I like that Max seems to be as loyal to the dog as the dog is to him. Mm -hmm. Awesome stuff. Um, so at this point, a lookout cries out that the humongous uh, marauders are returning. Oh, shit. And they, they close the gate real quick. 
this like the people and animals are scattering it's like everywhere. It's like a fucking ark in there. It's like pigs, rabbits, chickens, uh-huh. like like things running around. Feral kid, like he drops down into this tunnel system. It's like the fucking Viet Cong. Where's he going? Uh, this armored, yeah, the armored bus is wheeled back in front of the gate. There's chaos all around. Warrior woman takes Max to handcuffs him onto a railing. Why? Why not at that moment? I guess maybe they'd be afraid that he would open. They don't the trust gate. him, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, the soldiers are all taking up arms, taking their positions. They got like f- the giant flamethrower cannons and then like harpoon guns. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Yeah. A lot of dudes with crossbows and bows and arrows. It is weird. There aren't as ma- near as many guns in this as there are in Fury Road. That's true. Yeah. You know, but maybe the guns are being hoarded elsewhere. Right. Um, now, the, yeah, the marauders roll up. They've got these hostages. Apparently, the other, the guy, we the people that rolled the out crews. in the various different directions, Heaps they're like, trouble. they're on, they're like being bound onto the front of the vehicle, sort of as human shields. That is a memorable shot when the, when the bad guys, when the marauders are rolling up and yeah. the, the hostages are like, you know, they're tied splayed up to out the front. on the hoods of the cars and like it's, on these. I remember the hand trucks. I remember seeing that like vividly as a kid. Yeah, dude is that's amazing. And it's also like, of course they would do that. Yeah. Like logically it makes all the sense in the world. And when you see it, it's just shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, again, you have to pause to recognize just like the insane amount of detail. Like every member of humongous marauders has their own unique sort of costume and their own vehicle that was specifically constructed, whatever, like, if you pause it and study, you could just, like, study the frame for hours, the way that different people are dressed. Was it Morisot clicks. was her name? I wonder, like, I'm sure, I wonder if if individuals had input with her, like, on what they were going to wear, or if she just, like, went in and was, like, they had all this stuff and just, was like, this mix and match until the, every person looks like what, their own unique thing. What I re- had read was that they raided sort of, like, thrift shops. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And... Sporting goods stores uh-huh. and S and M shops. That's hot. <laughs> to like to cobble all this together, and you think about like these assless chaps and stuff like that. Like, it's probably not so much as this is what I prefer to wear as as much as like this is what I could find to wear. Like, and it's leather, and that's good. <laughs> I don't necessarily want my ass cheeks out, right. but it's what I could find. Um, yeah. I, it's amazing also like you know I feel like this movie went under the radar but then Fury Road won all the fucking Oscars oh yeah for all this stuff the production design and costumes and hair and all that shit and well deserved it's incredible um I also like that a lot of the click like has there's these standouts that they never talk or anything there's there's bear claw mohawk yeah is a character one dude is credited as Pink DeSoto. The dude who <laughs> drives the, the Pink DeSoto and he's yeah. got his hair is pink and his beard is dyed he's pink memorable. and he's like pink head to toe leather. Yeah. What the fuck though? It's awesome. Who came up with that? It's awesome. I love all of it. Um, so as all this is happening, Wes and Max sort of lock eyes. Oh shit. Yeah. Wes like pulls out of the pack. Uh-huh. Yeah, like you see him. He's roll got Golden up Youth with, on there. He kicks the kickstand down. I feel like it steps off his bike and is just staring at Max. Yeah, he like it's just a slow, slow stand up and like, yeah, they there's a stare down. Dude, Vernon Wells was a striking looking man. Yeah. And his voice is crazy too. <sighs> yeah, his, he does more screaming than talking in this, but yeah. It is such a such a transformation he had in the four short years between this and Commando. <laughs> Big time. Like he's almost <laughs> unrecognizable between this movie where he's like 
chiseled and cheekbones and mm-hmm. like looks like a fucking model. He's just beautiful to Commando where he's sort of schlubby. <laughs> right. And, you know, and then now John. and now he looks even unrecognizable to either of those things. It's just the, the years he he put a lot of mileage on. Yeah, he I guess. Drank a lot. Who knows? Now we've got this guy, Toadie. Who yes. takes the stage? He's sort of like the mouthpiece. He's yeah, he is. It's, it's interesting here that like he's like an orchestra conductor, like gives this cutoff. Think of Mouth of the South, uh, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> yes, he like gives this cutoff, and all the Marauder engines cut off at once in he, unison. It's he's amazing. Gotta intru- he's got to introduce the Lord Humongous. It's so the cool. Warrior of the Wasteland, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. I love he's like relishing delivering these lines, and he has like. A fox for a hat. Yes. And some goggles. It's amazing. <laughs> and like he's so he introduces Lord Humongous. Yeah, we get that head to toe sort of pan up. Yeah. He's just he's wearing SM gear, man. There's nothing else to say about it. Like no. a straight up harness of some I sort. It's easy to clean yourself off at night. It's like leather with studs. If I had that physique, yeah, I might just show I'd it never off. Wear all the time. A shirt. <laughs> Same. Uh, he's got yeah, that insane hockey mask. He's jacked like, to the tits. It's covering his uh, presumably horribly burned face. Yeah, disfigured. I feel like none of this should work on paper, but it fucking works. Oh, yeah. All of it. Like, we're bought into this world. The humongous, he gets on the PA, says he's disappointed that they forced him to unleash his dogs of war. It's all so fucking great. He says they're being selfish by hoarding all the gasoline. Yeah, I love that he's, like, chastising them. Yeah. <laughs> he says the scouts that you sent out said they've been planning to find a truck, basically, to haul that tanker. Right. Uh, but their mission is, yeah, he says, such a puny plan. <laughs> I love the great use of the word puny. Yeah. Um, he says they'll never make it out of this valley. And then at that moment, like a jackrabbit hops out and Wes sort of whirls around and shoots him with his little wrist-mounted crossbow. It's a very interesting little, like, moment. Wes is such a badass, man. Yeah. Um, Toady leaps on that moment he screams out you know he's like nothing can escape you see see one of the hostages sort of yelling that right. um they should give them nothing and just blow up their blow the shit up get out of here wes runs up on him and just knocks the guy out with a headbutt to the face the first of several headbutts in this movie or like just two that yeah. like straight up kill people or all this shit is crazy so good man. yeah um feral kid he pops up out of a hole outside he chucks his boomerang at Wes, who sort of ducks and dodges it. Mm-hmm. It does what boomerangs do, apparently. Right. It comes back to the kid. He catches it. That uh, Boomerangs in general are just fucking amazing to me. Yeah, the physics of a boomerang is, is I like... I looked up videos because I'm like, is that just like sort of a, a whatever, a thing that people pretend like it's real? But no, nah, like the way they're built, the, they're yeah. winged on one side sort of, and they would do, they'll do a big old loop and come back. That's Yeah, it's awesome. It blows my mind. Wes is pissed. He, uh, uh, his fucking crazy face all the time. <laughs> Feral Kid throws that boomerang again. Wes ducks, but it hits Golden Youth right in the fucking head. Can we just talk about like the speeding up of the frame rate or whatever for like the yeah. action sequences that George Miller decided to do? It's cool. I like. I feel like that that was something that was that was done a lot in like kung fu movies and martial arts movies okay. and things like that. And I I can remember other movies where you know, a director employed that similar technique, uh-huh. but I, this is one that sticks out to me. Like these moments in this movie in particular, uh-huh. where Miller like sped things up to make the action like go well, really, it turns really into quick. Like a holy shit. Yeah. It's like fucking hell. That <laughs> just happened. 
Uh, I mean, this boomerang's like lodged in yeah, Golnu's like head, thick, thick in in his skull. So Wes grabs the boomerang and sort of rips it out of of Golden Youth's head. He chucks it at Feral Kid, missing just badly. As the boomerang is sort of whirling around and returning, Toady he goes <laughs> fucking out of his way to try to run I after. It. I got it! I, I got, got it. it! He leaps and it just l- takes his fingers off of his hand, and and that's why. Uh, Feral Kid has that gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> that like chainmail glove with fur on the other side. The gang, the marauders think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Maybe they've been waiting this whole time for Toadie to like well, what? get injured. I guess it's, yeah, injuries are funny. What the fuck was he thinking? Trying to catch it. Just let it fall on the ground. He's stupid. That is nuts to me. Probably on drugs. Feral Kid sort of backflips. <laughs> Sweet stunt back from that into kid. his hole and scurries away. I want to know what that kid's story was at the time. Like Emil, whatever his name what was. What he was doing? Yeah, just like how do they find that? He, was just he had a very, specific, kid. a very specific look. He did look kind of Cro-Magnon. Yeah. Everyone like, even Toadie. Fucking Toady seems to see the humor in it. Yeah. Like he sort of starts smiling like, oh, I'm making the guys laugh. <laughs> like by losing. I feel like injuries are just commonplace yeah, they're in this part world. Of life. Like you lose an eye or you lose a hand or whatever and you just keep on going, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I love humongous. No more games. <laughs> yeah. He says he has an offer for him. Wes is out of his fucking mind. He's his, like possessed. His lover slash ward has been killed. No. No more talk. We go in, we kill, kill. Yeah, that's a good impression. Yeah, it's, it's a, amazing. Like, humongous puts him in a fucking he sleeper just, hole. <laughs> he puts him in the sleeper. Wes is just instantly repeating. He's like, kill, kill. <laughs> and then he's, I love, uh, like, humongous has got the weird, like, fucking veins pulsating veins it's in his so head. so gross. Oh, my gosh. Very memorable. Delivering memorable lines. Be still my dog of war. <laughs> I understand your pain. We all lost someone we love. See, yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's Shit like, like that is incredible. Yeah, it's uh, but we do it my way, and then was <laughs> like, losers, losers, wait. <laughs> it's so awesome. I fucking love all of this. It is amazing. We all lost someone we love. But that's what I'm saying. Is like even humongous in his weird way. There's like a code. There's there's the a weird sense of honor and loyalty, and I don't understand any decency. of it, but it all makes sense. It's like. He said, we all lost someone, but we're doing it my way. Yeah. <laughs> so Humongous says they've got them where they want them. Like once we have the gas, Wes, then you can have your revenge. Basically, he puts, yeah, he puts Wes to In sleep. In an illegal sleeper hold. Wes is like a wild animal. Yeah, totally. Like, there was this um, magazine, Empire Magazine did a poll, I guess, and Wes was ranked the number one henchman in, in movie history. That's fucking awesome. I don't know who else would be on the list. He's a main, like a Grand Moff Tarkin. Maybe is awesome. I was gonna. Uh, uh, would Dar- I guess you'd consider Darth Vader to be the big bad until the yeah. Emperor. He's not really a henchman. I guess yeah. there's a lot in Bond movies like Jaws or, yeah. or Odd Job. Yeah, like just memorable henchmen. It takes a is there's something to playing a henchman. Yeah, he steals the movie almost. He's fucking incredible. Um, now Bear Claw Mohawk. He comes up. He carries Wes off. Uh, <laughs> this is name. like what bear claw, bear claw mohawk. Well, he's got this big like yeah, it, sort of yeah. claw like a it's Bruce a Lee style claw yes. with the with the crossbow mounted yep. on it. And he's covered in fur. He's got a like a sort of a lucha luchador mask yeah. on almost. Um, we got uh, humongous is saying there's been too much violence, too much pain. Tries tries <laughs> to sound magnanimous. <laughs> none of none of you are without sin. 
but I have an honorable compromise. He's got, he got his whole pitch. He says, just walk away. Give me the pump, the oil, the gasoline, the whole compound, and I'll spare your lives. Just walk away. Do you think that if the refinery community left, like mm-hmm. he was saying, that they would have been spared. That he would have honored that deal? Yeah. No. Yeah, he would have, they would have murdered They would have massacred a man taking the compound. Probably eaten their bodies. Yeah. Even though at this point, they haven't eaten anyone that they've killed. They've left we the bodies seen sitting it. outside. Yeah, we haven't seen that happen. Anyway. Who knows? But he's basically saying they'll give them safe passage if they just walk away, and there'll be an end to the horror. It's so weird. Yeah, the yeah. scene is so memorable, dude. Do you remember the South Park where they... Um, no. There was like... I don't even know what the plot of the episode was, but there was basically the boys and the girls had a fort. And the girls had the fort and the boys wanted to take over the fort. And they had to tell him butters. Like, Are you serious? Take, That's awesome. Like, and he just he's like, I don't know what to say. And they're like, just stay. And he like pulls on this mask. He's like, just walk away. <laughs> just walk away. They're being into all of this. <laughs> We've oh, all like, lost someone we love. That's... <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's so good, dude. Fuck. So, South Park is awesome. Um, the dude, the 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 refiners, they're not going along with this. Yeah, they're like, no. The marauders begin to disperse. Humongous tells them he's gonna give them 24 hours to decide. Right. Uh Wes is woken back up. He's like inconsolable. He's being restrained by a bunch of guys as they drive him away. God bless Vernon Wells. Yeah. That man is fucking amazing. He, he just goes he for is it. He's giving it. 110% There's the probably whole never movie. been a movie that he was not like 110% all in on. And that's probably why he, yeah, he got hired for shit like this because he would just go all in. You got the haunted looking man is screaming like, we'll never walk away. And wastes uh, an arrow like a dumbass. <laughs> we have to go an outside and get that. Feral kid, he goes and collects his bloody boomerang. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that wraps us up yeah, for this Max, section. Max, Max just kind of watches as the baddies leave and that's... That's all she wrote for episode yeah, two. Yeah, dude. We got a theme. Cool. Like every episode ends with the bad guys leaving. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Um, I, this movie's so good. I fucking love it, dude. There's no wasted motion. Yeah, there's. Yeah, it is. It is like the last of the V8s. She's <laughs> it's awesome. She's purring like a. She's humming like a top. I can't wait to talk more about it. But we hope you guys, have to wait until next week. We hope you guys are enjoying the show, uh, listening along, enjoying this. Uh, if you haven't watched this movie in a while, go cue it up so you can uh, enjoy the ride with it, us. Is it aged well, my friends? It is aged well. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. We'll be back.